0: Very very excited because today. Very excited because today we have uh, someone very special. I've met uh, this person uh, a few years ago, and um, I think that our paths are crossing again because, probably because we're doing something that we're passionate about, and probably because we're doing something that feels right for us because it's something good for the world as well. Um, we will talk about um, what individuals, leaders, mom, dads, parent, family, anyone really, um, would want to know about how to, what to know about resilience and compassion and how that, how does that manifest itself in a work setting as well and in life. And compassion is such a dear topic to me and to my heart. So we have Dr. Eva Hertz with us. And with no further ado, uh, Eva, can you introduce yourself? I'm, I'd love for the world to know who you are, and um, and then we'll get on with some of the questions. Just a very brief um, chat over a coffee, which I have here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm good. Well, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Passion, for reaching out to me and uh, giving me a chance to to talk about what's uh, on my mind. Um, when you reached out to me, and I know the work you do because I met you some years ago, and I was wondering, am I a truly passionate person? And <laughs> can I actually contribute to this kind of uh, talk or podcast? I was thinking, I'm just, uh, well, I'm just uh, uh, me. But of course, um, I kept thinking about it, and, and, and I realized that... Uh, uh, All my work life, I've been very dedicated, dedicated. And it must have something to do with being passionate, dedicated about using my um, profession as a psychologist to help people relieve all the kind of suffering that's related well to being a human being. That could be due to somatic illness, cancer, HIV, AIDS, or workplace stress, or all these kinds of things. difficulties that actually binds us together, that's part of being a human being. And I realize whether I've been working as a clinical psychologist or whether being a researcher or teacher at university, I'm all the time uh, very dedicated at, how can you say, translating psychology into something that's applicable for, for everyone.
0: Here's one of the questions from what you just said now, let's start from the basic, but resilience and compassion are two of your um expertise right expertise topics themes research um um objects so what is resilience, and what is compassion in the context of for example at work i mean we could what is it generally speaking how do you what is it, and what does it look like at work? Resilience and compassion—does it even exist at work?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, it does. Uh, it does uh, indeed. And uh, well, how can I start? Because uh, there's a lot of uh, ongoing research. I think actually for the past six decades, so much research on resilience—what uh, skills, what behavior constitutes that some people fare well when they are under very difficult circumstances, whether others actually uh, develop mental illness. And uh, uh, well, we can't actually predict predict totally, but we do know a lot what kind of skills actually uh, help us be more resilient. And um, why it has to do with compassion is it's got a lot to do with how we how can you say interpret. What happens in the outside world? Whether we see it as a, a disaster or something to learn from, and um, how can I see? Um, oh, give me a second now. So it, it was we're trying to define both things at one time, and that's sort of a, a little bit complex. But uh, um, but being resilient has a uh, Fundamentally, to do with your your ability to bounce back after you've met some serious troubles or difficulties in your life. And um, it's actually very, very common to be resilient. So when we talk about training resilience skills in the workplace, it's often to do with not ruining the resilience that's already there or help managers uh, use that existing resilience Rather than induce it on people, because it, it's so common that you sometimes refer to it as ordinary magic. Actually, mm. um, so again, it uh, it has specifically to do with with uh, having close and caring relationships uh, uh, and being able to connect to other people. So in that way, uh, resilience and compassion has a lot in common that you realize how much we actually are alike that it's a human condition we experience hardships and difficult times no matter how wealthy you're born what kind of family you're raised in we're bound to experience difficult times and we're bound to bounce back um Mm. so that's part of resilience and then of course it's got to do with having a realistic positive view of yourself that you know and you can use and apply your strength and that you can uh, uh, actually how can you say use skills for problem solving that uh, and execute that you can make things uh, uh, work and you can manage yourself and what do I mean by that manage your own impulses manage your when you feel stressed that uh, rather than the a uh, favorite cure could be a large glass of red wine once you come back from <laughs> from work just to reduce the, the stress there are other things that are maybe more constructive that you can actually do and and why this is so ex- is so extremely relevant in in uh, in in my view is is that uh, for so many people their working life is sort of like a an area of human suffering rather than a place where we just you know enjoy doing what we are best at Mm. so so work related stress has become such a a present topic and so many people experience meaning meaninglessness and uh, suffer from all these organizational changes you get uh, sort of lost in the system you get a new manager every six months Uh, your dear colleagues are removed to a different departments and you're asked to work with you think you don't have the skills for, and it just uh, it stresses a lot of people
0: so so how does a leader who has so much influence impact on an organizational culture on the rest of a team? so how does a leader then create resilience or a culture resilience, especially I wanted to say post-COVID-19, but we're still in there, we're still with COVID, and there's so many changes, people working from home, virtually, and, and we know that changes, any sort of change would trigger some sort of resistance. How does a leader manage to create resilience or a culture of resilience, and also maybe compassion within his or her organization? How does that work practically?
1: <laughs> but these are very big questions you know uh how can i make this short um i think i already said that there's a, a lot of resilience out there so so if we look at it from a, a manager's perspective um don't ruin what's already there mm. so again it has to a lot to do with it, connecting at a more human living level, level with your employees noticing when they're Having a hard time noticing when difficult things are happening in their life and actually talk to them about it. Uh, it it's uh, it, it's really important for every one of us to feel we are seen as a whole person, also uh, at the workplace. And then, of course, as a manager, you can always be the best example that regard it as important that people take brain breaks during the day or. Uh, don't work at crazy hours that you actually um, use your um, how can you say your power as a manager to to introduce what kind of email culture do we have in our company do we expect people to be online 24 7 and uh, having a, a, a how can you say Healthy environment actually always starts with the, with the manager because she or he will, will always set the example. Mm. And um, to be a compassionate leader also means to specifically again and again work for the greater good, not for your own extra bonus or a larger office or even more power but that it's always on your mind that you have a huge responsibility for your employees and not only them, because what you do say as a manager actually uh, influences the, the employee's family. They'll be talking about you at the dinner and they you can, uh, how could you say, disturb their life or you can be present in a, in a way that's uh, more constructive. So it's a huge, huge responsibility. Um yes. I could say many more things you can do but uh, these are a part when we get to what kind of skills we actually train people for but we uh, stay a little bit with with the managers then uh, you mentioned the the pandemic as an uh, how can you say additional a huge additional stressor in all of our lives mm. and uh, and as you're saying we're still somewhat um I think well, there are so many issues concerning the, the, the pandemic, but most of all, maybe all these people whose family members have lost their lives and uh, the unbearable thing of not having had the possibility of saying goodbye, sitting at a sit bed or attending a funeral. Uh, in my country, Denmark, it's uh, it, it's better now, but uh, I still have patients who who suffer so much from not having been there when their father or mother died or family member so that's difficult and then the how can you say that the boundaries between work life and private life they were already blurred before the pandemic but the pandemic made it crazy and I think already during the first lockdown there were some wasn't that British researchers they published uh, an article saying uh, I'm not working from home I'm living at work and that that's how people perceived it that they were actually uh working all the time they'd be attending a zoom or teams meeting uh, nine hours a day and then after that they could attend their real job whatever that had to do (laughs) respond to emails or talk to clients or whatever that may be so in many ways we got uh, in touch with our loneliness and uh, we lost the the mirror that other people actually present for us, if if I feel I have to work even harder or more, the mirror with a co-worker would be that she would tell me, hey, relax, you're doing good, and you you ought to uh, let yourself have some time off or break. But uh, when that's not there, when that mirror is not there, many, many people push themselves too hard uh, because they think... uh, well they just uh, they put a extreme inner pressure on them and that that's sort of part of our the way we've organized ourselves in a society that uh, people are relatively unkind towards themselves so in that way the pandemic has uh, made our mental health much worse and uh, there's already research showing that all across europe not just in my country there's a, a um arise when we talk about anxiety, depression, and it's all related to stress over time due to the pandemic. So people are actually exhausted now. Yeah.
0: And just to throw um, to throw an additional um, potential stressor or elements that might um, generate stress and maladaptive outcomes in or in a company in an organization digitization is such a huge phenomenon it's been there for years um many research are suggesting um the um the potential stress caused by digitization of processes um of certain jobs as well some people would even Practitioners would even talk about um, and notice that some of the employees and team members fear for the jobs being potentially replaced by um, the use of machine learning, artificial intelligence. So, with the current digital area that we live in, um, how vital is it, and how do we make use of resilience and compassion? in this digital era?
1: Well, one thing for sure is that uh, we need some healthy habits. And uh, I know all of my five children have very strict rules about how much they're allowed by their parents to to be online, Mm. like the, the youngest of eight months. He's not at all allowed to watch any kind of screen and the, the elder ones can have 30 minutes per day and the parents are extremely strict. So I think that that's a great way to handle it, but it do- doesn't just apply to kids. It, it should actually apply to all of us to be more careful what we, how can you say, feed our brains with. Um, but back to your question, I I, I developed this uh, evidence-based resilience training program 12 years ago that addresses a number of the skills uh, that's uh, that help you enhance your resilience and 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 your compassion and and um, actually that program we started with resilience training for 130 combat soldiers because at that time combat soldiers were sent to afghanistan with just four hours of psychology applied psychology <laughs> teachings and uh, I, of course, there was a lot of suffering. So I had the chance to develop a program um, where we trained the soldiers be- before deployment. And what we could see afterwards was what when they had actually trained in advance, they came back uh, with fewer symptoms of depression, isolation. They were more constructive in their coping strategies than their colleagues who, who'd never had this kind of training. And uh, this program, I think I must have at least 6,000 people have trained in this program where you actually get an introduction to to these skills and then you have to practice yourself. It has to be, how can you say, um, you do that, you practice it every day because we're talking about developing new neural networks. But what we first and foremost train, whether it's managers or employees, is uh, how can you say connecting to their values, what kind of person or what do i truly wish for myself from the heart of from my heart of hearts uh what do i wish for myself and i never met anybody who said oh I, i'm longing for a Tesla. They're, they're always longing for connectedness, meaningfulness and and uh, when i work with them, value system which I think actually generates uh, uh, their passion is what do they wish for themselves and what do they wish for their loved ones and they will often realize that it's it's the same thing and and uh, and then I ask them what do they actually want to offer the world and then um, this helps people connect to their inner values to what's really important how they want to live their life and I think that's another thing, what did the, the pandemic actually help people be more aware of, how do I want to live my life and what am I not going to stand up with anymore? Uh, but we, we start with that. And then we actually, we train people's awareness of thoughts that come and go all the time. And, and a reminder that thoughts are just thoughts. And sometimes they produce uh, catastrophe thoughts like uh, thinking traps where you think uh, this is never going to work or things aren't going to happen, and, and sort of train people to realize just watch your thoughts. They are not uh, identical with reality. And then we teach them how to, well, you could say, popularly speaking, hunt the good stuff, um, be more aware of gratitude as an extremely potent, positive emotion that if you actually cultivate this it will in the long run make you more uh, uh, happy and uh, then of course this connectedness with other to truly recognize our our common humanity rather than uh, feeling isolated that I'm the only one in this workplace who got stress or who got ill or who had such and such a problem a divorce or whatever that you realize Every family have their problems. It's part of being a human being, and we'll find a way. And um, of course, we also really train people to take good care of themselves. In many ways, not only self compassion, and part of it relates to what you, you just talked about, are uh, relating to it, screen time, television, uh, to be much more conscious, to make this choice. Is it Good for my mind to watch the news tonight, or should I rather read them in the newspaper? Is it good for me to see, I don't know, a thriller or these? uh, How can you say stuff with killings and murders and all that stuff? Or maybe I watch a garden program instead. So be more and how can you say attentive. And definitely not use, uh, uh, um, what do you call these uh, video games on the phone, like a Candy Crush or stuff like that to relax. It doesn't relax you. It actually activates the brain's uh, arm system. So, so looking after yourself uh, is to have very, very healthy habits. Like I, I have some rules in my life saying I'm not allowed to attend my emails in weekends. And of course, I want to because if I've noticed it's a, it's there, I think, oh, I better reply right away, and it's so and so important. And then I take a deep breath and remind myself, hey, who's going to work with you as the founder of the Dane Center for Resilience if you're working <laughs> day and night? <laughs> so that actually that helps me just to be it be, and the email will still be there Monday morning, and I'll feel much more, yeah, in good shape attending it. So, so many things you 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 can do. We we introduce uh, in meditation in the workplace, uh, just like five minutes meditation, starting a meeting with connecting to your breath and uh, little things. And of course, the more the better. But there are so many small things, and people again and again say, oh oh I knew this I just forgot <laughs> so, so a lot of this uh, applied uh, um, tools from science is is uh, common knowledge people forget it and uh, what we introduce in our program is a sort of a systematic way to, to live your life that'll help you yeah be, be become more resilient and more compassionate and live the life you want to
0: fantastic we're reaching the end of this talk, and it was absolutely fascinating. And some of the um, points, the takeaway points that I have in front of me uh, as you were speaking, um, uh, with the topic, which is what you really must know about resilience and compassion at work, uh, we even went beyond this uh, in itself. We we had we talked about some cognate areas and things that were related to it. Um, some of the things that you said. Um, I really loved a lot of resonance in what you said when you describe a compassionate leader or a compassionate manager works for the greater good. Yeah, so this is one thing that was very resonant in what you said. Um, also, <clears throat> uh, can we actually introduce compassion and also resilience at work? What are the practical tips? A couple of things that you said. One is, well, first, managers, leaders, are listening, there is presence of resilience in people. Acknowledge it, first of all. Make use of it. Acknowledge. It is with people. Second, um, we don't say that enough, and we should keep repeating and repeating and repeating again this message, but managers, leaders, lead by example. If you want the culture of the organization um, to be reflecting resilience and compassion or self-compassion, lead by example. Show show the way and build healthy habits and a healthy environment and then fascinating when we talked about the the current digital area and digitization in processes and at work what can be done and here there was a list of things first and foremost building healthy habits connect with people connecting people with their values which itself as you said could generate passion because they realize what they love. Um, Inviting people to be aware of their thoughts. Uh, Recognizing positive emotions and gratitude. Um, Of course, recognizing and inviting for connectedness, connectedness between people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, um, taking good care of the self and being conscious, being conscious to have and to know how to take care of oneself, so a lot of lot of goodies, a lot of great tips, uh, practical things as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Eva Hertz, that was fascinating. Um, I learned a great deal. A lot of my own research connects to yours as well and to what you've been doing. But there are some things that are absolutely fascinating and very current with the current um, um, area that we are um, crossing with COVID, the digital area and so on so forth. So um, thank you very much for being with us. That was absolutely an honor to have you and i hope that our listeners and people who are uh watching um will and have enjoyed as much as i did thank you very much and talk to you soon i hope you enjoyed the chat if you did share like subscribe and please join me for the next one